Hello, how's everybody doing? Welcome to Team Fear Not. I hope you guys are enjoying our podcast. You know, I've tried to do a couple this last month, and you know, honestly, things kept happening. It's been a crazy year for us. But I'm excited. I'm so excited about what God is doing in our lives. He's doing huge things in in my life, in my wife's life, um, with Team True Racing. And uh, I want to be able to share some of what I feel God has laid on my heart for 2019. You know, we had a lot of loss, a lot of health issues in 2018. God used pain and suffering sometimes even fear, tell me, see, that, that I was not in control. But he was. That may now seem difficult for some of you. It might not seem like good news to you. But to me, it meant that God loved me. He loved me enough to help me grow to be a person that he could use for his glory, not for my own. This year, we're going to work on being a group of believers that love Jesus. That when we are together, it's because we want to be servants of Christ. Sometimes I think we've all gotten so caught up with trying to get people to love God to love Jesus, that we've forgotten that God is holy. And he wants us to be holy. I think that we have taken on this burden that if we offer just the right services or package the gospel in in just the right way so no one gets offended, we can convince people to stay. We can convince people to go to church, to come to worship. But by catering our worship to the worshipers and not to the object of our worship, we have created human-centered churches, not Christ-centered churches. 1 Peter 2, 1, 2 says this. It says, So get rid of all evil and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander and yearn like newborn infants for pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up to salvation. We're going to talk more about that tonight. A little bit later we're going to get into that. But you know, I've been been reading a lot of Francis Chan books lately. I mean, this message is probably half his words, not mine. And the one thing that I heard him say just in a message two, two weeks ago, maybe three, is he asked people, what would I tell you if I knew I had 30 minutes left? 
What would I say to you guys if I knew this 30 minutes tonight were my last? The last 30 minutes that I had left on earth. What could I do? What could I say? I mean, I know that as soon as I'm done, I'm going to go be with Jesus. What would you say? What would God encourage me to share with you guys? I mean, we all have this great opportunity to speak to God every day. And so many of us just squander it away. I mean, right now, we are literally in a house of prayer. I know many of you are watchers. How has that changed your life? Taking the time to pray with the creator of the universe for an hour every day, maybe once a week or, or once a month. But, but how has it changed your life to start praying with purpose? It had to be a major impact on your life. There's no way that you can spend time with the righteous God, with the holy creator, with the one that made us out of dust and not be changed. I can't believe that. You know, I think about Nehemiah and how he prayed for Judah when he found out the condition of the city after the Israelis had been in exile. The walls were torn down. The gates were burned. He cried. He wailed. And then he prayed this. This is Nehemiah 1, 5 through 7. It says, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear, God, be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, we Christians, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, the decrees and laws that you gave your servant Moses. That prayer floors me. It cuts me to the it cuts me to the bone because I know that I have fallen short and not prayed earnestly for my church, for my family, for my country. Francis Chan actually says that if you could accomplish your church's mission without fervent, daily, passionate prayer, then your mission is insufficient and your church is irrelevant. I don't want to be involved with the church that is irrelevant. I don't want to be involved with the church that is more concerned with how many people are coming to church on Sundays about a holy God. It scares me. I mean, seriously, what is our goal? Is your goal to walk with God? Do you want God to answer your prayers? 
Or do you want God to help you to answer his call in your life? Because that's two different things. Asking God to answer your prayers or answering God's call in your life. That's not the same. It's two different mindsets. And it will be how you define your relationship with Jesus. Acts 4.31 says, When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God courageously. That's what we want. To press into God in such a way that, that we believe in miracles. That when we pray, we expect something to happen. We are anticipating God to show up. And we long to be in His presence. God. God, Father, I pray for this place, Lord God. I pray that these walls can be shaken. I pray for our hearts, Father God, to be open to you. I pray, Father God, that we believe in miracles, that we believe, Father God, in your power and your authority here on earth as it is in heaven, God. I pray, Father God, that we know you, that we spend time with you earnestly, Lord God. That when we wake up in the morning, God, we, we look to you. That when things are going wrong, God, we look to you. Father, Heavenly Father, forgive us. Help us, Lord God, to be right with you. Help us to believe, Father God, in your miracles, in your Holy Spirit, in your actions, in your call, in your deliverance, in your power to redeem this city, in your power, Father God, to redeem this country, to redeem California, Father God. I pray, Father, for just strength, strength to stand up to tyranny, Lord God. To not bow before political correctness, Lord Jesus. That we speak the truth in love. That's my prayer, God. That we speak the truth in love, Jesus. Acts 2 says this. For if David says this about him. I saw the Lord always in front of me. For he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My body also will live in hope, because you will not leave my soul in Hades, God, nor permit your Holy One to experience decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will make me full of joy with your presence. Amen. That has to be our goal. To not be shaken. To not allow the enemy to disrupt our faith. Or let other humans cause us to stumble. Because they care more about what people think 
than what God thinks. The truth is that many churches are polluting our faith with the message of prosperity and, and ultra grace. Speaking falsely that salvation is a single moment of your life. That once you accept Jesus, you are good to go. All of your worries are gone and you will be blessed. I've searched the Bible. I have not found any reference to that. To a one and done salvation. The closest thing I can find is when Jesus is on the cross and he tells the thief that it's next to him, today you will be in paradise. And then there's Zacchaeus. This is Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see what Jesus and who Jesus was. But because he was short, like me, <laughs> he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed, he climbed into a sycamore fig tree to see him, since he knew Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and I have cheated anybody out of anything. I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Yeah. Yeah, he was saved. I mean, think about this. Even if Billy Graham... At his big crusades, he would have hundreds of counselors in the front. So when people came forward, they got plugged into a church. They got plugged into somebody that could help disciple them. That could help them become Christians. That could help them enter into faith and continue to, to walk this walk. He did not want them to have false conversions. He wanted them to have real, meaningful relations, lasting relationships with Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about false conversions, and we need to take it seriously. Matthew 13, 5 through 6. It says, Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. They sprang up quickly because the soil was not deep. But when the sun came up, they were scorched. And because they did not have sufficient root, they withered. If we want to change the world, we have to change the way we are making disciples. Because if we are not careful, we end up in our, with people in our church complaining for years that they're not being fed. 
That's like living at home when you're 30 years old and complaining about your mom's cooking. It's not right. It's not your church's job to feed you. Your church's job is to make disciples. It's your job to feed you. It's your job to open the Bible. It's your job to pray. You can't blame your pastor if you're not walking with God. Let's go back to 1 Peter. It's important that we read this and take it literally. Because I believe this is literally what God in the Bible is telling us. So get rid of all evil, all deceit, all hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. And yearn like newborn infants for pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up to salvation. You may grow up to salvation. Doesn't say poof, you're an adult. It says... We get rid of all this junk as we walk to salvation, as we grow into salvation. It's a journey. It's a journey every single day. Ten steps forward, two steps back. That's how we all are. None of us just get up and we're good to go. We walk, we stumble, we fall. But I want us to live victorious lives, to be able to strive for holiness and to walk away from the sin that enslaves us. We need to be accountable to each other in small groups, like here, praying with and for each other, sharing each other's burdens, confessing our sins, so that by the washing of the blood of Jesus, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, will be present in all of our groups and all the things that we do. We need to be striving to bear fruit. Matthew 3 says, Therefore, produce fruit that proves your repentance. And don't think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God can raise up children from Abraham from these stones. This is John the Baptist talking. It goes on to say, even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Mindful. John, John sees the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming out to where he's doing baptisms and speaking out in the wilderness. He actually called them a den of vipers. But at that time, they were the leaders of the Jews. They were the believers in God. In Revelation, when they were talking about the church of Laodicea, they were believers. And yet, it tells us not to be lukewarm. It warns us. We cannot read the Bible and all these verses about our walk with God and think that it's okay 
that he's okay with us living in sin. Do we all fall short? Yes. Yes. Every day I fall short. Do we all need grace for our walk with God? Yes. It's the whole message of the gospel that we can never earn our way to heaven. That it is a gift from God. But, but somehow we're living in a world where we take that gift and we say, Hey, thanks God. I'm just going to put this in my pocket. I'm going to hold on to it until I need it. And then you can collect this gift. Our moment in time when we accept Jesus, that's kind of like when God gives us the keys to our new house. It's when we get to open the doors into our home. But when we open doors, it's empty. Yeah, we have a new home, but it's empty. We have to fill it with furniture, which is in prayer. We have to fill it and break bread, which is reading the Word of God. We have to strive for holiness, for good friendships, for solid people in our lives. We have to wake up every day and do our best to connect with the Creator, to talk to Him, to spend time with Him, to be in love with Him. That is how we fill up our home. That is how we have a place to live in heaven. Ephesians 4.11 says this. It says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, all of us, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That is, to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. So we are no longer to be children, tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. But practicing the truth and love, we will in all things grow up into Christ, who is the head. I can't tell you anything more than that. Mature in your faith. Do not be children who are easily swayed, but speak truth to one another. Yes, have childlike faith. Yes, it says to be like a child. But it's talking about belief. It's talking about the trust that a child has when his parent tells him something. Because your parent's not going to lie to you. You trust that. That's childlike faith. Love each other as Christ loves you. There's only one, one commandment greater than that, which is to have no other gods before the great I am. Love your neighbor as yourself and have no other gods before me. That's what Jesus said was the most important thing. Let's 
make disciples. Let's speak truth and love. Let's walk towards holiness. If you want to change the world, pray. If you want to change your country, pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am mindful, Lord God, that all things are unto you. I am mindful, Father God, that right now, all of us, all of us are because of you, God. That everyone in this room, everyone listening right now, Father God, everyone in this world is because of you. You have a purpose. You have a plan. And you, Father God, will see it through. I pray for boldness. I pray for strength of character. I pray for kindness, Lord God. I pray for the ability to stand up against tyranny, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father God, for, for us to be meek, but not weak, Lord God. Help us, Lord, to make a difference. Help us, Lord God, to, to stand up when others sit down. Help us to be with you more and more every day. I thank you, God, for the lighthouse. I thank you, Father God, for, for everyone in my life. I know it's because of you. Guard over us all, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.